everybody, and welcome to Unleashed, the fastest hour on the internet. Now, today, we were supposed to be joined by positioning expert David C. Baker. But David, unfortunately, is sick, so he's going to be okay, but he's fighting off something nasty uh, down in the U.S. in Tennessee. He's got a real sore throat and a really scratchy voice, so it doesn't really lend itself to uh, coming across as well as he wants to on an online uh, show like Unleashed. And so if 2020 has taught us anything is that we have to be very adaptable. And if we don't uh, have an ability to sort of pivot and take things as they come and make the best out of challenging situations, we probably are at risk of getting left behind. So we're no exception. We talk a lot about adaptability and resiliency on this show, and it's time for us to walk the talk. So we're very, very excited that we have been able to make a change today and welcome Ted Curry to the show. Now, so our adaptation is we're going to discuss five things that companies should do to have a real kick-ass 2021. So it's hard to believe that we're here in uh, early December, not that much long to go until the new year. I'm your host, of course, Jeff Tetz, the CEO of Results, where we believe poor execution is one of the biggest reasons companies underachieve. We partner with your management team to help you unlock the potential that exists inside your business by applying a more disciplined approach to building it. And I wanna thank everybody for being here today. And, and, uh, and I also wanna thank you for your understanding as we live in a live environment and a very turbulent, fast-paced, changing one in the midst of a pandemic. Lots of stuff going on and, uh, and, and uh, we're gonna do uh, our very best job to bring you a really impactful episode today. And uh, I'm pretty excited about the things that we're gonna talk about. So we're welcomed uh, by Ted Curry and welcomed, uh, really happy to be joined by Ted today. He's the founder and president of Insight. Now Insight, for those of you that are not familiar with them, they're a strategy firm specializing in growth and post-merger integration for mid-market privately held companies. With 25 years of marketing and consulting experience, Ted thrives when working with clients to tackle issues related to growth strategy, business planning, and communications. Ted is an active community volunteer with the University of Alberta, uh, Alberta Venture Mentoring, uh, Mentoring Service and Confederation Hockey, and has recently served as the board chair of the Edmonton Community Foundation. He's a former Edmonton Chamber of Commerce Small Business Owner of the Year recipient and a BDC Young Entrepreneur Award recipient. Ted uh, and his wife of 20 years and two young kids love the outdoors and traveling. He's a true sports lover and uh, as Ted will say, he'll play about uh, just about anything as long as you promise not to keep score. And thankfully, uh, Ted and his firm were the sponsor of today's episode already. So it made our, uh, our pivot and adjustment uh, even, uh, even easier. Ted, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to jump in. And that's probably the nicest things you've ever said about me there in that intro. So I, uh, I enjoyed that. You only got the last piece wrong. I only do things if we keep score, not if we don't okay. keep score. We got to keep score. Oh, if you keep score. Sorry, yeah. I thought you were making, Ted, I thought you were making fun of yourself. There we go. So I no, kind of, I, mean, I, I like competition. So as long as there's a little competition, I'll do it. I inadvertently made fun of you anyway. So I guess we just can't <laughs> get away with, uh, we can't get away from that. So, Ted, I want to thank you for being so accommodating today. And, and uh, first thing this morning, you and I had a really interesting chat. There was a bunch of things that we could have talked about today. And I think we landed, uh, we landed in a really good one, uh, talking about some key things that companies should be considering to, uh, to certainly get ready to have a really strong kick-ass 2021. Uh, before we do that, I, I know you're pretty familiar with David C. Baker, who unfortunately couldn't join us today, and he's going to join us next year. But uh, you wanted to share a little bit of your experiences with David. Yeah, well, I'll do, I'll do my best to, to fill in these big shoes to fill. I got a lot of time and respect for, for David. I've actually been following David for probably 15 plus years now. Um, I've been to a number of his workshops in person that he, that he puts on. Uh, I've uh, read most of his books. And then we actually hired him for Insight uh, back as far as I think it was 2008, Jeff. And we brought him to Edmonton and he did a bit of a consulting review of our, of our work and helped us sort of with some of our positioning. And yeah, I, I think he'd be great. I, I know your audience will love him. So I strongly encourage everyone to sort of tune in when you're able to line him back up when he's feeling better. It's too bad. I was looking forward to it. I mentioned it just before I jumped on here with a couple of my folks in my office because I talk about him around here all the time and they were like, oh, you mean it's going to be you instead of David? Uh, so they, they weren't thrilled about that, but uh, I'm going to do my best. I'll, I'll fill in and uh, worst case scenario, you and I can trade bad jokes with each, with, with each other. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to know that you're uh, you're not the only uh, uh, 
business owner that's held in the same regard as I am by my <laughs> colleagues. So I don't imagine they'd want to stay on too long and listen to me either. So uh, Ted, we had a, actually a pretty serious conversation this morning about some of the themes and the patterns uh, and trends that you're seeing in business. And uh, you and I have come from similar, uh, similar backgrounds and contexts that we have the good fortune of working with a variety of businesses and a variety of industries. So we see a lot of different things and you've kind of honed in on five essential things that you believe organizations should be paying uh, special attention to, to have a strong 2021. What are those five things? Yeah, we can, we can unpack them in a little bit of detail, but I think, you know, first of all, um, is definitely this idea of like making sure your brand and your business don't go dark, uh, you know, through COVID, there's a natural tendency when things aren't going well to kind of retrench and sort of batten down the hatches. And I think that's actually flawed thinking. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit about keeping your brand active and alive through this, especially yeah. as we head into 2021. Um, secondly, I think it's important that people invest in systems and in tools and in training, especially right now during the pandemic, use some of this time, whether you're extra busy or extra slow, use it productively to sort of get ready and um, set yourself up for success as we, as we look into the, the future. Centers of influence is a, is a concept I think we should spend some time on and unpack. I, I know it's been really valuable for, for your business and for our business and I think can help a lot of people. So um, just this idea of not always trying to be sort of in the direct sales mode, but looking for the right strategic partners to then grow your business through them. I think that's got lots of potential and we should spend some time on that. Uh, fourth. I really think people got to focus on giving more than they take. And you know, I've got a few thoughts and stories about that. Uh, but the businesses that we see be the most successful tend to find a way to look to elevate those around them first, rather than just focusing inward and, and worrying about their own piece. Um, making sure that they get theirs first, I think is, is backwards thinking and probably leads me to number five, which would just be this idea of mindset in general, I think as we head into 2021. You know, 2020 has been a struggle put lots of challenges in front of us. I get the reason to sort of feel frustrated at times. And I think we should talk about that as well. What do you, what's the mindset people have and how are they going to embrace that mindset heading into next year? That sounds like a good list to me, Ted. So number one on the list was don't go dark. Uh, tell us a bit more about what not going dark uh, looks like um, from your perspective. Yeah, I think, you know, when, when, when times get tough, there's a natural, particularly from a money perspective, but even from an effort perspective, there's a natural tendency to want to retrench back, you know, cut costs, um, play good defense, you know, make sure that things are around, make sure you kind of survive through the pandemic. You know, you hear a lot of that language, all of which, you know, there's some merit to that. And I think all businesses um, have had to face some of those, those questions as we've worked our way through this. But I think if you get too dark with your brand, so you, you, you're not spending any time, energy, money, externally elevating who you are, what you do, why you do things, there's a real risk of how that will impact your business when we come out of this. The most recent example I think, and, and we've gone back to, is there's a number of studies that were done of businesses through the 2008-2009 the recession um, that did just that. They went dark, they kind of battened down the hatches and they pulled back. Most of those studies have shown that anywhere between 10 to 30%, they lagged their competitors who stayed active in the three years coming out of the recession. So when you go dark in the recession, it doesn't just um, have an impact in that one year. It has an, a lagging impact for the years that follow. Um, for those that like to kind of dig in and do some research, Peter Fields, one of the best ones, he's a British um, researcher who did a lot of studies around that. And that's what he found was that the businesses that stayed active, whether it was anything from social media, community investment, ongoing partnerships, doing things with your customers, finding ways to be creative, even through COVID to make your brand still pop and sing and, and have some of that energy. It might not give you a huge return on your investment this year or even in 2021. But I think what we're gonna find is in 2022 and onwards, as the market starts to pick back up, those businesses that stayed active and were engaged are going to do better. Their growth curve coming out of this will be higher than those that either stayed flat or, or pulled back and really cut down on everything. Yeah, no, that's good insight, uh, uh, Ted. And for those of you just signing in right now, uh, David C. Baker, our, uh, our guest of the day, uh, fell ill this week and was unable to join us. So we're talking about the five things companies should consider doing in 2021 to make it a real kick-ass year. Uh, and we're talking about the first one, which is uh, not going dark. Ted, um, um, I think it's Ron Tite uh, has got some good information around that too. And this philosophy of accelerating out of a corner that the best race car drivers, they don't wait till they're in a straightaway to hit the accelerator. And I think that's the same thing for businesses. You want to be accelerating as you come out of the curve. 
but a challenging part to that, like I know even like for our businesses, we try to analyze when to invest and when to pull back in, in marketing spend is it's, it's hard to tell when you're actually about to come out of that corner. It's easy on a racetrack. You just take a look and see. Do you, how do you sort of advise your clients on when they might want to start accelerating out of that corner and, and, uh, and start reinvesting in, in, uh, in their brand? Yeah, that's a great, a great analogy. And you're right. It is hard because you don't, we, none of us have a crystal ball. We can't totally see around the corner as to what's coming next. What I do know for sure is that it's always sooner than you think you're, you're typically out of the corner before you realize it. And that's what most people do is they wait. So, you know, the analogy we use similar to your, your race car corner is a little bit like runners at a starting line. And if you're waiting for the gun to go off before you start preparing, so the gun goes off and then you're like, Oh, I better tie my shoes up. I better visualize the race. I better stretch and get ready. It's too late. Um, so I think you need to be keeping your brand active now, regardless of whether we turn the corner in three months or in six months or in 12 months, because you're never going to get it right. You know, it's like trying to, you know, pick the stock market before the, the, yeah. the bounce happens. You kind of need to be active and engaged the whole time. Sure. Maybe you need to spend a little bit less, but that doesn't mean you have to be less engaged. You can still leverage lower cost ways of doing it to make sure your brand stays active all the way through. Yeah. And you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I would suggest that 2021, um, is the year to be getting ready to go. Whether we fully turn the corner in 2021 or whether it happens in 2022, I don't know. But I definitely know that the prep time to start hitting that accelerator while we're in the corner is going to be sometime in 2021. You can't wait for it to be over to start. Yeah, no, that's, that's good advice, Ted. And I want to encourage uh, our audience today, share the things that you're doing. That's uh, one of the things I love about this show the most is when uh, when uh, when business leaders are sharing the things that they're doing related to the topics, there's always a great idea that somebody can take from another and start applying for their own. And I know Ted, along along the lines of not going dark, uh, you know, we've we've been able to, to to tap into our collective brain trust more than we ever have before. We have more discussions with our entire team about marketing and about idea generation than we ever did before, and it's a failing. We should have been doing it more before. So yeah. it's definitely a silver lining and. And out of that has come a lot of, I think, low cost ways to keep a brand uh, in the marketplace. And, uh, and, and like this would be one of them, right? This doesn't cost us a, a lot of money compared to, to other things that you could do because you can't do it all. But if we get creative enough and resourceful enough, there's a lot of things that we can try to keep our brand top and center or front yep. and center. Uh, the second one you talk about is investing your systems. Uh, what does that one mean, Ted? Yeah, I just think, you know, so if you're, if you're a business that's, that's maybe thrived through COVID, like some people have gone kind of, uh, you know, on steroids as a result of what's happening, you know, if you're in technology or health or certain spaces, you know, the, the message we hear is we're too busy, but those that are too, that are, that are struggling through COVID where maybe there's been a retraction in their space, you know, we're still hearing that while, you know, we don't want to do things. And, and the number of times we work with clients where we hear things like, yeah, our CRM is not really working the way we want it to. Our proposals aren't up to date. We don't have great case studies. We're not happy with our website, but we're too busy or we're distracted dealing with other things. Like I would recommend using this time now, whether it's some downtime because you've got a little bit of extra capacity because things maybe have slowed down in your market, or yeah. even if you're really busy, I'd still try to carve a little bit of that, maybe that extra margin you're getting because of the, of the uptick you've gotten to direct it towards an investment in systems, in tools, even in training, like investing in your people. Now's a great time to get everyone upskilled and ready as we head into 2021 and into 2022 after that to make sure you're at the top of your game. You know, why sort of waste this time and do those excuses that normally pop up in good times of, you know, we're too busy, too many orders, too many customers to follow up with to, to work on things like your internal tools and systems and processes, your people. So that's sort of our advice right now is use this as a time to get ahead of that and put, and it doesn't have to be a lot. Maybe it's an hour a week that gets designated to working on one of those projects. Um, that's what we've done internally is we've sort of made a hit list of the key projects that we need to work on, on some of our own internal systems and training, allocated them out. You know, we're not expecting anyone to put massive amounts of time into them, but a little yeah. bit of progress every week so that as this market starts to lift and the opportunities start to emerge back to my, um, you know, runners at the start line or your race car in the corner analogy, yeah. you've got to be ready in advance. You can't start getting ready once you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You're already behind. You're already behind the eight ball compared to some of your competitors. For sure, no, Ted, and, and uh, I love that. And I think the questions, the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves and ask our teams, go a long way to answering some of the things that should be on that to do list. 
And you, you brought up a really good one, I think, is to think about when things are really busy, what are the stuff, what, you know, what are the things that would be on the list that we wish we had time to get to? Another question I like to ask our clients is that if, if this hardship ended next week, what would be your biggest regrets of the things that you didn't do? And when you start to ask those kinds of questions, it's actually really interesting to see the kinds of answers that pop up and then just encourage uh, uh, leadership teams to look for the patterns and the themes and try to do a, a bit of an on the fly prioritization because uh, there still is a lot of time, uh, time constraints that we're facing in a different way you know, yep. with family related and health related and even just the stress of the pandemic. It causes a lot of unique, uh, I, I think, pulls and tugs on our time uh, for sure. I think that regret question is a great one, Jeff. I would, yeah, concur, and I would highly encourage people to do that. In fact, I even found that, like, kind of September, October, you know, you'd have conversations with people who regretted some of the ways they misused maybe the time um, to build their business in March, April, May, June. Well, you know, with second wave and additional restrictions and all that, I mean, you know, it's probably not the second opportunity we wanted, but it yeah. may be an opportunity to go back to where are some of those things March through June that we didn't do that we wish we would have, and maybe, yeah. maybe December and January are months we can get some of those things done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we do have a we do have a lot of commentary coming in here, uh, and uh, and uh, Daryl's got a question here around: Is there a risk of accelerating before or on the curve and and potentially crashing? Is is uh, is what he's suggesting? So how do you how do you push the accelerator button and but maybe know when to hit the brake if you've done it too soon? Yep. No, I think that's a great question. I mean, it can. It can happen. Although what I will say in, in you know, 20 plus years of doing this kind of work with clients and about getting ready or taking advantages of opportunity or trying to grow market share, like we're talking 95 plus percent, they wait too long to accelerate versus the opposite people that go and blow their brains out into a down market and you know, run out of cash maybe and, and go bankrupt. So I, yeah. I get the question, I get the concern, but I, I suspect we all over calibrate the other way and, and that's less likely to happen. I mean, some of the things though are, there's one thing about getting ready and another thing about actually doing it. So you can have an investment in systems an investment in training. You can prepare yeah. your proposals. You can prepare something from a marketing or a campaign perspective. You don't necessarily have to hit go or hit launch until um, you're a little more confident of where you're at in that corner. But what you yeah. can't do is wait till you're so far through the corner that you know you should be accelerating to then go back and start doing the work because it takes too long. And I really think 2021 and 2022 are going to be a market where there's market share to be had. You know, yeah. the, the sad reality of COVID from a business perspective is that some businesses will not make it through this. And I think the businesses that get ready to take that market share will do well versus the ones that just try to avoid being one of the victims and, and sort of sit quietly on the sidelines and wait it out. Yeah. They, might, they might be around post COVID, but I don't think they're going to be the ones that thrive and take the market share coming out of it. So. Yeah. You can invest and get ready without totally hitting go. But if I had to like risk being too early or too late, I'd go too early. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and good point. And, and Dale Monahan, a good friend of ours from Goodwill, just put a really uh, poignant comment in the chat that the armed forces, when they're deciding on the moves that they're going to make, they, uh, they basically do it with 60% intel. So they gain the additional 20% on the move and then the final 20 doesn't count. So don't sit and hesitate. I, I think that that's, you know, we should have Dale on camera with us. That's what I think. And, uh, and then the other part of this is uh, even like companies like Amazon, if you, if you look at uh, the way that they've built and scaled, one of the principles they have is, is just make a decision when we have, you know, 65 or 70, 75% of the equation. If we have full information, we waited too long. Yep. And, and so I think uh, that's really interesting perspective. Uh, and another piece on the investing in systems and training, Ted, and you kind of spoke about it, but not, not directly, is that I, I've been saying for a long time now that one of these amazing opportunities that's been handed to us in this pandemic is access to free or at least very affordable training from recognized experts in all kinds of fields and disciplines. And it's, it's, the kind, it's, it's affordability that we might not ever see again in our lifetime. And, uh, and if we're not intentional about where the training gaps are and then going to find those low cost resources that can help bolster our capacity or our ability in that area, that's definitely a place that we're gonna look back on in a couple of years and wish that not only we had done that training, but that we had taken advantage when it was pennies on the dollar. So I think it's a good point. Uh, so yeah. don't go dark was your first tip. 
invest in systems and training was number two. And then the third one takes us to what you call centers of influence. What does that one mean, Ted? Yeah, so you know, there's lots of terms out there about centers of influence, and I think the different definitions are all probably effective and you can use them. I'll give you ours. From, from our perspective, a center of influence can be a person, like an individual. It could be a friend, a colleague, a peer, uh, someone else in your industry. It can be a company. You know, it could be a different company that you work with, trust, know, understand. It could be an organization like an industry group, a business association, um, things like that. It could be a medium. It could be a, a, a magazine that you read. It could be a different person that you follow. So any type of, of individual company group can be a center of influence. And what a center of influence is, is it's someone who's already within the sphere of trust of your prospective client or customer. Because yeah. a lot of us want to reach out directly, especially I've seen this in COVID, you know, the number of us that are getting bombarded with these annoying LinkedIn requests from people we don't know, um, you know, the, the telemarketing that's increased um, <laughs> through this people, you know, I get it. They're hungry. They're desperate. They're trying to figure things out. But my force field is like on high alert when someone I don't know tries to get to me. I like to think of a center of influence as someone who's already halfway in, inside my force field. And I think your marketing will be a lot more successful if your efforts to market to that customer client prospect leverage those centers of influence to reach them as opposed to trying to go direct to them. So as opposed yeah. to kind of going head on and trying to bash your way through their force field, find those, those circles of trust that people already have and leverage those. Yeah. Um, you know, to give you an example of what that means from, from insights perspective, we found a lot of our, of our clients get referred to us from people's trusted advisors, a lawyer, an accountant, financial advisor, you know, folks like you, Jeff, results and, and other people that are working closely with their customers, they have an intimate understanding of their business. When they say, hey, sounds like you've got something that maybe Insight could help with, our success rate goes way up as opposed to if we try to reach those people directly. So our marketing efforts, I actually think are misguided when we try to go direct to all the potential businesses we want to work with. We're better off focusing our effort on those lawyers and bankers and accountants and the results of the world. Yeah. And finding ways to partner and collaborate together, I think you'll find a lot more success regardless of COVID. But certainly in 2021, when you can't get out and meet people as easily in person, where there's not these big events where we can just network and walk up to someone that we don't yeah. know, it's harder to do that in a virtual world. So I think we need to double down on this concept of, of centers of influence or COIs yeah. and, and leverage those through partnerships, social media, community investment, um, you know, hosting virtual events, whatever it might be but leverage that circle of trust to get to new people. Yeah. I think you'll have a lot more success with that. Yeah, no, good advice. And uh, there's even things like uh, rapid problem solving. And we experimented with that, with that on a prior episode. We had, uh, we had reframing and problem solving expert, uh, Thomas Wadawa-Delsberg on the show a few weeks ago. And we did this little experiment where we just came up with one problem and then we tried to rapidly solve it in, in two minutes. And uh, you know we had a couple hundred people that were uh, that were tuned in live at the time, and the the um, the insight and the information that we gleaned from a thirty second, uh, literally a se a thirty second snippet in the chat, uh, it gave us perspective uh, and and uh, and ideas that we never would have come up with on our own. And uh, we all, we often don't I don't think tap into our collective uh, uh, intelligence the way that we could. Yep. Yeah. It's I think. Leveraging the power of the group, I think, is, you know, is a successful way to do that. And just, you know, think about little examples, even in your own personal life to sort of test that, you know, center of influence, you know, concept. If you, if you wanted to go to, to Jasper for the weekend, you know, and you had three options about figuring out where you're going to stay. Option one is to, to, to read the, the hotel um, email that they sent you directly or go to their website and, and check it out. Um, option two is, you know, go on something like a TripAdvisor or whatever and read some of the comments. And option three is to phone your best friend who went to, the, to that location or hotel last week and ask them for, for their advice. I think we'd all start with the third one and put the most stock there, maybe a little bit on two and probably the least amount of information we put on number one. Um, yeah. And it's not to say that the company's email or their website don't matter at all. Maybe it's a final check or credibility look. It's not to say that they're, they're misleading you with that information, but there is a little bit of a, you know, you don't expect them to put their worst yeah. information up on their website. They're only going to put the good yeah. stuff. So yeah. I think the, the center of influence concept would be who's that friend or contact that went to Jasper last weekend. That's where my marketing investment in time should go. It shouldn't go always into these direct promotional pushes that we sort of think of in terms of marketing. We always yeah. think of marketing as being the website or the email blast or, 
or whatever it might be. And so you can probably pretty much market test that with anything in your own life. Yeah. We all trust a trusted source of information more than necessarily trying to get that information from the horse's mouth because the horse is biased. Mm -hmm. You're, you're also, uh, you're making me think of this concept again of asking for help and, and uh, separating, trying to separate what we think about asking for help versus what data and research uh, demonstrates. And there's some interesting findings when we talk about uh, people's willingness to help and that we often find that uh, we underestimate how likely someone is to help us. And you think about how, uh, how difficult it is to ask somebody for help. I don't wanna trouble you, you've got your own worries. I haven't spoken to you in six months and I don't wanna just seem needy that I'm only calling you for, for some advice or some assistance on something. But the research tells us something different that oftentimes people are way more willing to help than we, uh, than we realize. There's this other concept of loose ties that we often just stick with our tight-knit community. There's some really compelling evidence that, that tells us uh, we should ask people that we kind of know, but don't really know more than we, uh, more than we usually do. And, and what, number one is they're more willing to help than we usually would, would, uh, would realize. But the second one is, and this is the thing that really got me thinking about it, was oftentimes our loose ties have access to communities and information that we're not that familiar with. And so those loose tie connections that we have will open up a whole new world of understanding, of, uh, of possibility, of ideas, uh, of uh, even just market intelligence that we might just be isolated to a regional view and it's not a global view. And if we had that global view, especially as it gets, it gets easier for us to take our products and services and sell them outside the walls of our province, as an example, or our cities, having that world perspective is going to be just more, uh, more and more useful as we go on. So that's yeah. great. And there's, a, there's another question that, so Pierre brought this up a little earlier, and, it, and I think it's really around, when do you stay focused on your, on, your, um, on your target market versus experimenting elsewhere? And so Pierre was uh, suggesting that often companies will move their targeting, their target market or their positioning to a different market that appears to be a bit more active and then return to the original market when there's an upturn in, in that sector. Good, is that a good strategy or a bad one? How do you look at that? Yeah, I'll try to give my best politician answer. You know, I think <laughs> a little bit of both. I, like, especially in COVID, you know, this whole idea, you know, some of these words that people have gotten sick of around pivoting or how we do things differently, trying to find new, new audiences. I think there is a need to do some of that, you know, through this. Yeah. There's no doubt that the changes that have happened in the market and are still happening are, are profound and may impact, you know, you may have a certain business model that if you were a restaurant that was 100% built around in-person dining, the idea of trying to like look out into different options for, for takeout or delivery, it's kind of a must. So to, to Pierre's point, I think there is some validity to the idea of trying to seek out growth opportunities and following which market segments can do well. But I do think you need to ask yourself the question of, is this like a short-term, six, 12, 18 month pivot? Or is this kind of where I'm going to take my business indefinitely? Because if it's the first one and it's more of a short term move to deal with market circumstances, I would still recommend back to my first point of finding some way to keep some investment and some energy with that core audience that you were normally going after. Because to go totally dark on them while you chase the, the sort of flavor of the month right now and then yeah. come back, I think people notice that. I think people notice when you're only around in good times. Um, and as soon as there's nothing for them to, to buy or buy from you or to engage with you on, you just go dark on them, um, which we can probably circle back to in the, the give yeah. more than you take point as well. It, it kind of gets us there. So I, you know, I'm, like I said, I am kind of trying to play both sides, I guess, in terms of Pierre's question. I think yeah. there's a need to be curious and explore new opportunities, but I would not lose sight of our core target and, take all resources away from it, even if it's slow right now. So if your core business is slow, I would still find ways to stay engaged with it because I think the growth you'll see off of that core business coming out of COVID um, will be a lot higher if you do that. Yeah, for sure, Ted. And I, and I also would suggest that uh, not all repositioning is created equally. And uh, what looks like perhaps a change of, uh, of core competency or, uh, or, or sort of brand promise or positioning is not always the case. If you start working with the construction industry when you've typically only uh, worked in manufacturing, as long as you're bringing the same core expertise and the essence of why companies covet and value you and, that, and it's a unique position in the market, 
that might be a good, a good way to shift uh, your focus. But if you're actually trying to be something or someone that you're not, I would suggest that long-term that's going to have some pretty catastrophic impacts on the sustainability of, uh, of, of your business. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Or, or at least a big impact on what you can charge for what you do and, and not and, in a good way. And if I can just jump in on that, Jeff, I think the other piece to think about too, is if I'm looking for like opportunities, all things being equal, if I'm in a business, like results and insight would be in highly relational, probably a reasonably long sales cycle, hopefully lots of opportunity for repeat business. I would be trying to find ways to add additional services, products to that core audience because I'm still then serving the same relationships I've already built up versus going and pursuing a whole new market where I have zero relationships built up and, and starting from yeah. scratch. It might be a little bit different of a conversation if the business that you're in is highly commoditized, quick one-off transactions, then maybe the relationship piece doesn't matter. Maybe there it's easier to pivot to something different. But yeah. I think if your business is high touch, relational, um, long-term value that you're trying to offer, I think in those markets, you need to stick with the core and maybe just try to bundle or wrap up some additional things you can do that might be COVID or pandemic specific, but without losing sight of those relationships that kind of will be there for you once the market stabilizes and returns to some semblance of normal. Obviously, there's going to be changes in the market that never come back. Like, you know, COVID is going to reshape the market, but it's not going to reshape everything. So some of those core principles will still hold. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, we're, uh, we're joined by founder of Insight, Ted Curry, who uh, did a last minute replacement for the, uh, for the under the weather, David C. Baker. And, and we're discussing the five things that companies should consider to have a kick-ass 2021. So we talked about don't go dark, invest in your systems centers of influence now the fourth one is give more than you take ted you're great at this what does that mean for you and how can we leverage that in our businesses well thank you I, yeah it's a work in progress i think all of us can do better at this one um i love your idea of asking for help and i think it's a must so i think that's a good one don't don't take this as the opposite but i think there's like a fine line with that where there's some people who seem like they only want help from everyone else and they never seem to be willing to sort of return the favor and the story that sets up this give more than you take philosophy that has resonated with me since I first heard it was I have a good friend named Bradley who was applying for an important role and he reached out to a mentor that he'd done lots of work with over the years asking for a reference. Um, and this mentor reached back to him and he said, Bradley, I would be happy to do that for you. I'd like you to know that it would be nice to hear from you sometime when you didn't need something from me. And that one, it just has always stuck with me, that story. And I sort of flipped the question around to, in our yeah. business, asking, when's the last time our clients or our market heard from us when we didn't need or want something from them? So again, I think the asking for help is bang on and we should do it from times, but we also need to be finding ways to offer help, offer support. If every time we reach out to a customer, it's to talk about a new service we've got, inquire yeah. about a proposal that we sent them last week, find out when they're going to pay our bill, whatever it might be. I think we're, we're leaving something on the table and we're at risk of, of losing opportunity. So the idea with give more than you take is, are you adding value beyond what's in your own best interest? So am I sending you a referral to an opportunity, Jeff, that I don't stand to gain anything by? I'm just doing it because I think it might help. You know, am I finding ways to send someone important information, an interesting article they could read, linking them to a, to a, a piece of thought leadership, suggesting that they um, you know, attend an episode like this that would be valuable for their business. It's not because I've got any skin in the game on it. It's not because I'm personally going to benefit. It's a genuine desire to help. And I think most yeah. of us deep down have that, but sometimes in business, we lose sight of that. We get so hung up on hitting our quota or finding a new deal that yeah. all of our communication in person through social media, social media is the same thing. Like how often is your feed pushing something out that's about your business or would benefit your organization. You know, I'm not saying don't ever do that. It's fine to do that a little bit, but is that 90% of the communication that comes from your social media platforms? If so, I, I'm suggesting to question that, you know, I think this idea of try to find ways to give more than you take really does resonate. And I think as we head into Christmas, given what we're dealing with with COVID and the pandemic, I think it's even more apropos right now, you know, how are we reaching out and trying to help those around us? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely worth considering, Ted. And, uh, and, and I, don't think, I don't think that it has to be 50-50. As long as you're in the giver uh, chair, at least some of the time in a relationship, if you're always uh, withdrawn from that bank account, I know, I, I think a large portion, if not everybody that's, uh, that's closest in my community, are, they're not keeping score, that's for sure. But I know if, uh, 
if uh, if one of us was consistently just taking and not giving back i think that would be a problem uh, you know curtis nickel makes an interesting comment that don't most successful people leverage their resources to try and get it right the first time uh, i do however know if you take value you must think about giving it and i think that's a little bit related to what i was saying there curtis that, uh, if we're taken, we don't always have to give back at the same clip as we took, but it needs to, it needs to level off at least at, uh, at some point. Now, Ted, you're making me think of, of early days in the pandemic of this giving more than we take. And, and, I, and I think something that's been helpful you know, for our group is very early when uncertainty was at its highest. And we're talking, you know, really that third week of March, our team uh, talked a lot about how do we want to show up when this is all over? And that's informed almost every decision that we've made. And, and it's interesting as we get further down this path that that overarching philosophy, it's not, I mean, it's not very earth shattering and it sure isn't very strategic, but having that kind of a guiding philosophy that's a bit more altruistic and it's, it's more about for us, it's been really trying to capture hearts and minds and everything that we're doing to show up is, a, is, is just trying to be useful to every single person that we're privileged to have contact with. Whether that's a thousand people or 5,000 or five, we, we, we only have so much control on, over, on, on, on how big our market share is per se. Uh, but the thing that we will always have control over right to the last breath that we have is how we show up for the person right in front of us in the moment. And, you know, Tom Peters, I think, says it really well. It's what does he say that excellence is like the next five minutes. Yeah. And I just think that is so appropriate, whether we're in a pandemic or, or we're riding a high wave. Excellence really is the next five minutes. And if we showed up that way just a little bit more. Uh, I think that we'd be really interested to see the change that that would make in our business performance and our credibility as leaders, our culture, our relationships with customers, uh, you name it, everything I think improves. So then the last one you talk about, Ted, is mindset. What is, uh, how does mindset sort of show up for you and how can we leverage that for a, a, a kick-ass 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think you've done a great segue there with what you just spoke about. I think it is about how we choose to show up. Um, you know, this has been hard and it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to be focused on what's not available to us. You know, I, I miss going to some of my business groups. I miss the events that we could run. The, the things that you can't do is often where we kind of put our attention. And I think the organizations that we're working with, the ones that I'm seeing have the most success, it's because their mindset is more focused on, well, what can we do as a result of this? So where are there some opportunities that we can maybe take advantage of? And also trying to recalibrate a little bit their I think their expectations. Um, I, um, you know, I, I, I've felt myself and I've, I've used this analogy with people in my network that, you know, COVID from a business perspective often feels like you're riding your bike up this steep hill into a headwind. Um, and it feels like you're not going anywhere very fast. Yeah. And I, um, years ago, kind of when the, when the financial recession was on, I, I was at an event with um, Stephen Polotz, the former um, head of the Bank of Canada. And someone used that analogy. They sort of said, well, this feels like we're riding our bike up a hill, you know, wind's blowing in our face. We're not getting anywhere. And his answer to them was, well, I think you should take a minute to pause and think about where would you be if you stopped pedaling? And I think that's what all of us need to ask ourselves a little bit is that all of our efforts through the last year may not have moved our businesses as far ahead as we would have expected them to if we would have had this conversation at this time last year. But imagine if we wouldn't have put that effort in. Imagine if we wouldn't be grinding hard, doubling down, our businesses could be way further behind than where they are. And I think that mindset um, is what's going to serve people well in 2021. It's like, what progress can I make? Yeah. I can't control how long this second wave, are we going to have a third wave? What's the restrictions going to look like or not look like? How fast do vaccines roll out? We don't know those things. Um, you know, we can make some bets on some of them maybe, but what we can control is what we choose to do with our time. And to your point, what I really like, Jeff, how we choose to show up. Um, you know, do we choose to show up for our family, our friends, our colleagues, our clients, our communities in a way, like one question that, that I think is a good one for people to ask is when this ends in two, three, four years, when you look back and people ask like, well, how are you going to be remembered from that time, you know, in December, 2020, when it felt like a grind and things weren't going the way any of us wanted to Yeah. try to act the way you want to be remembered down in the road. I think that's going to have huge, huge benefit for individuals and businesses. So yeah. that's sort of my advice to people is don't lose sight of that. And I get that it's hard because I've had days where I want to bang my head against the wall where it feels like, you know, I've you know, yeah. been busting my butt and there's no result from it. Um, yeah. But, you know, one, where would you be if you stopped pedaling? And two, 
what kind of an impact and lasting impression can you have on those around us by how we choose to carry ourselves today in yeah. this moment? Yeah, absolutely. And it's even interesting what happened to us today, Ted, and right, you talk about mindset. And I think, like, I think we're learning, a lot of us are learning about resiliency in this pandemic and, and really trying to embody the fundamentals of resiliency. And, and one of the things that, uh, that is a common pattern amongst the resiliency experts is that we have a bit of like, it's like a gas tank analogy. And if, if you're worn out and exhausted and you're running on fumes, you can imagine how resilient you're going to be in the moment to changes to unpredictability. You're not going to be able to respond very well. And uh, so I think, you know, we were fortunate this morning when we talk about the mindset that we have this surprise of David C. Baker is, is under the weather and can't join us today. And we could have just canceled this episode and sent everybody on their way. And, you know, and we've got over a hundred people that uh, thank God are sitting here watching and uh, hopefully jotting down some notes of, uh, of things that make sense to apply for their own businesses. But very quickly, you and I looked at how can we use this for an opportunity and, and how can sort of we leverage our collective brain power and have some fun with this. And if this has taught me uh, anything, it's that we have to be just comfortable failing in front of an audience. And that was a risk I was willing to take. And so were you. And it's, uh, I, I want this to be time stamped in the archives that when, uh, when things were tough, you and I tried something and at the risk that it could have failed miserably. Uh, you know, the other thing that you're reminding me of a little bit is our good friend sort of Jim Collins our good friend and some of the research and principles that uh, that he's written about and one of them is the Stockdale paradox right and it's kind of like the ability to survive atrocity and extreme hardship and and what Jim uh, Collins has realized is that when companies oftentimes don't make it through downturns they were they were too optimistic or they had fictitious timelines of when the hardship or the downturn was going to end and I think it's a good reminder that we're getting excited and we're getting hopeful that there's vaccines coming out and by the end of 2021, things will look very differently than they do today. But the reality is nobody knows. And we just have to keep focused on pedaling up that mountain, like you say, and some days it's gonna be hard, Sometimes, some days it'll be easier, but we just have to focus on the things that we can control and trying to find silver linings and taking care of our health and our fitness and our family and taking time away to not be so absorbed by the problems and the challenges that might exist in our businesses so that we are a bit more resilient and our gas tank is not always running on fumes so that we can take advantage of opportunities like the one that presented it to us today. Yeah, for sure. Well said. You know, I think it's easy to um, yeah, get mired in some of the negativity and, and rising above that, I think, can offer a little bit of, it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you start to feel better when you kind of make that effort of that outreach and I yeah. think, you know, things go better. And, you know, none of us know, do you're coming about like not being too optimistic. I mean, no one, no one's ever accused me of that. Those people that know me know I'm kind of can be a bit of a skeptic at times and a bit of a worrier. Uh, but I, I think in this moment that like, it's not going to do your business any harm to sort of get ready or to prepare or to be ready for that acceleration out of the corner. Even yeah. if you overestimate it and you go too soon, I, I think that will serve you better than yeah. being negative, doing nothing, you know, sticking your head in the sand and hoping that it's not going to help. So I think that the, the benefits of being proactive and being positive um, will probably result in some real positive things, but they're not going to hurt. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a good investment of time and energy, both mentally and practically in terms of what you're choosing to do. Yeah. Well, Ted, we actually had a, we had a positive leadership, uh, the co-founder of the Institute for Positive Organizations from Michigan, Kim Cameron was on the show a couple of weeks ago and that's his whole thing is research on positive organizations and it's not blowing smoke. It's, it's uh, a positive organization has lots of accountability, growth and coaching, but it's creating this environment where you find opportunity through hardship and, and it's undeniable. The research says if you want to actually build an organization that far surpasses and outperforms your competitors, and it's not even close, uh, you, you must build it with positive leadership concepts. And I think that you're, uh, you're modeling that uh, to a T. And uh, this is awesome. I'm loving the comments coming through, right? So uh, Holly Jones, thank you for your support. So thanks for trying this, guys. Lots of value for me. Lots of other uh, uh, good comments coming through here. Anne-Marie, thank you for your comments. And then, of course, Gord Wissick. Uh, we're lucky that we have a regional flair here on this show, even though we, uh, we do have a global reach. Most people are, are pretty familiar with how amazing of a guy Ted is. He's a super guy, and he has to be really intelligent when it comes to business. Ted, I want to talk about you a little bit now. You have got a lot going on, man. Like every, every day I turn around, it looks like you're involved in some other you know, initiative. 
can you just maybe talk a little bit about what you are doing with um, with the next 30 and as that pertains to Alberta I think that's real uh, quite relevant to a lot of people that are uh, that are on uh, that are on the show today yeah sure happy to um, yeah a, a small group of us came together six or eight months ago and we're just sort of lamenting the 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 fact that it feels like anything that kind of gets into a political discussion realm gets so polarized so fast and there's so much hyper partisanship that the ability to surface quality both discussion but also some ideas gets to all the noise that's going on you know social media is probably the worst place for it but even i think interacting with people there's sort of this too much us against them mentality and too much of a focus on the short term versus the long term like you know everything's sort of about next election cycle type stuff and it none of that is to say that some of that isn't needed none of that's to say that um, you know, partisanship in itself is bad. It's not. I think, you know, the political model works to a degree. And, and you know, that's kind of what democracy is about is finding a, a party you want to support and, and getting behind that. But in addition to that, we feel like there's this opportunity to bring people with diverse ideas together and, and surface new ideas and conversations in a less partisan um, environment. And so we've started something called The Next 30. It's a nonprofit organization, sort of small grassroots startup, uh, thenext30.ca for those that are interested in checking it out. And what we're doing is we're hosting a series of um, sort of online virtual events, highly participant driven. So we do have what we call the possibility panel. It's 30 um, individuals from across Alberta, different perspectives that are sharing their thoughts on, on key themes and topics, everything from you know, economic diversification to um, the energy sector, to healthcare, to racial injustice and um, indigenous issues. So there's a, quite a range of them, but it's not about listening to the panel speak it's about having them frame up some questions and then the individuals that get involved in the sessions um, dive in and, and discuss and, and ideate around it and it's been a couple of weeks since we launched it most of the sessions will start in january we're going to run 12 of them from january to the end of march um, but we have had a couple of kickoff we're calling them warm-up sessions we've got one more next week the tuesday the 8th in the evening um, and it's been really well received we've had jeff like over 1100 people sign up on our website for yeah. sort of the e-newsletter and we've had um we had 250 people out to our first session um, and I think we've got 400 plus signed up for next Tuesday. So it's kind of a cool concept, people yeah. with different views, sort of the way I describe it is it's like political but nonpartisan discussions and, yeah, um, it's sure a, and, it, and much like your comment, it's an experiment. We'll see kind of where yeah. it goes, but we've, uh, we've had some fun with it so far. Well, it's an, it's important time timing. Cause there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of divisiveness and conflict and arguing and, uh, vitriol on social media it's not a great place to have a good argument uh and and share diverse opinions it just doesn't it just doesn't play well uh, i've yet to find that a, a conversation i've had with someone i disagreed on on social media in person or on the phone or on zoom where we haven't found some common ground and that's really where the constructive change uh, takes place if everybody agrees we're in trouble uh, but if everybody keeps fighting we're even worse trouble so uh so thanks for that ted and what a great initiative what about your own team so we're you know we're we're 10 months in more or less to this pandemic. What makes you most proud of your own team? Oh, lots. I think they, um, this idea of mindset and positive attitude, like they've all really turned up with that every day. I really feel, you know, grateful that they've kind of helped pick me up at times when I feel down and, and you know, kept us focused on what we can do and, and some of the, the neat things. Everyone's been really embracing the idea of kind of what needs to get done versus what's my role. Um, so, you know, we've got people working on projects or things that they might not normally work on, but it's sort of where the opportunity is right now. And so people have, have embraced that. Um, you know, I think trying to still find those opportunities to have those individual touch points, you know, if I could go back to March, I would have invested more time and energy into some of the individual one-on-one -on -one touch points to find ways to kind of keep that because it's too easy yeah. when you like in the office that just happens organically. But yep. sometimes when you get in a remote work environment, I think you've got to be a little more conscientious and intentional to make that happen. So I think that's something that I know I could do more of. But our our team, I find, has really embraced that and done a great job of, like I said, sort of being focused on the positive and what we can do and, and sticking close together. And your comment earlier about being creative, like we've had some really neat ideas emerge through things that, you know, we never thought of because circumstances didn't require us to look for, for different opportunities. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like I said, fortunate to work with a great group. Ted, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. 
uh, you know, at seven uh, seven thirty this morning, we had no idea we we're going to be doing this. And uh, as timing worked out, with you know, Insight being the sponsor of the show, you worked hard to uh, to uh, build uh, awareness of this. And I'm glad that people in your community got a chance to see you in this light. Uh, you've been super helpful. And as we uh, as we close, uh, this is of course our final episode of season two. We have got an incredible roster of speakers already lined up, and I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet. You'll have to wait for those announcements. But we have an amazing roster of speakers for season three, and I, I want to thank everybody uh, just for your continued support, your engagement with these shows, your promotion, your questions, your comments. When we uh, and when we first started to go in this pandemic, you know, we didn't know exactly what we were going to do as a business, and. If you were to tell me that we were gonna launch a weekly series featuring some amazing thought leaders and business leaders that people would actually uh, show up for in droves to consume, I probably would have thought you were wrong. And uh, so thank you so much for our community of leaders for proving us right. Uh, that's amazing. And I wanna wish everybody a Merry Christmas as well. And if you're uh, staying connected to us, you can find us anytime with questions through email at info at unleashresults.com. We now have 21 episodes for you to choose from. There's a topic there for everybody, I promise. And you can find the episodes and the summary articles at unleashresults.com. Our founder, Tim O'Connor, is amazing. He writes a, an episode summary every afternoon as soon as this is over. I don't know how he does it so well and so quick, but he's an amazing guy. And then uh, uh, Shop Local. So we are giving away some gift cards today for Shop Local. Just enter the information in the bonus feed when you, when you leave the show today you'll be automatically entered to win a $50 gift card for a venue of your choice. Of course, Shop Local needs our money more than ever. And again, thanks for being part of the fun. So over two seasons now, we've had over 4,000 people tune into these, uh, these episodes. Uh, over 400 companies that we didn't know before the pandemic have joined our community of ambitious, open-minded, humble leaders. We've given out over 300 bonus offers. Uh, we've given out over a, a thousand books and shop local cards and around the world like we've got we've sent books to india and ireland the us like we've sent books all over the world literally and we've had viewers from all around the world this is amazing we've got people from russia and parts of africa you know argentina fort saskatchewan people from all over the place have been joining into this show and uh, we just couldn't be more grateful so we're going to keep doing these as long as you keep tuning in let us know how we can make it better. Let us know who you want to see on the show and I'll show up and uh, at their doorsteps, wherever they might live and beg and plead for them to come on. But uh, this has been uh, a really amazing year. Uh, and it's hard, it's imagine saying that uh, through a pandemic, but it's been an amazing year. Amazing to connect with people, to build stronger relationships, you know, to be more vulnerable, to be more open. Uh, the things that people are doing with each other right now, those are going to live with us and uh, for the rest of our lives we'll never forget the things that we shared here and so ted grateful for your friendship and for showing up today uh, for our whole team for making this possible and just wishing everybody a, a, a healthy and merry christmas uh, just take care everybody happy holidays